Thanks for joining us today for the Eagle Drive Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Chris Thorne. Eagle Drive is a Bible-believing New Testament Baptist Church where Jesus is preeminent and the gospel of grace is at center stage. We are devoted to connecting with God, growing together, serving others, and sharing our faith. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit EagleDriveBaptist.com. Now, here's today's message. Ecclesiastes this morning. Ecclesiastes, we're continuing our series, uh, Meaningless, out of the book of Ecclesiastes, kind of uh, some principles from the life of Solomon. And if you missed the first two weeks, uh, let me sum it up. Life stinks, all right? Uh, Life stinks under the sun. There is nothing under the sun that is going to produce satisfaction, uh, meaningfulness, uh, purpose in this life, apart from Jesus Christ. And as we've mentioned thus far, Solomon was a man that had everything, literally everything that you can possibly imagine Solomon had. Uh, His net worth, again, was north of $2 trillion. So if he wanted it, he had it. If he wanted it, he took it. You know, there's a lot of people today in our society that that want things and they try to get things and they kind of wish, if I had the money of this person, then I could do anything I wanted. Solomon was that individual. He had literally everything you can possibly have. And he said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And as we've described and mentioned, what that means is basically everything is meaningless. Everything is purposeless. That phrase in the Greek or the Hebrew is hevel of hevels, which kind of translates to a kind of a puff of smoke where it's, you know, a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. You know, our life apart from Jesus Christ is worth nothing. But with Jesus Christ, it's worth everything. And over the next several chapters as we continue this series, we're going to draw out some very practical principles from this book. And I'm really excited about this lesson, this message today. So if you have your Bibles, stand if you would. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. I'm going to read the first few verses this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Verse number 1. To everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. There's really four words that we need to take note of in this verse. Everything, season, time, and purpose. And it's really kind of self-explanatory. Everything, season, time, and purpose. And then it goes on to list those narratives, the comparatives, the 14 things, the negatives, the positives, back and forth. Verse number two, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. This isn't necessarily talking about your husband and wife. Hey, I told you there's a time to be silent. That's not what it's necessarily talking about there. I just wanted to throw that out there in case anyone was confused. Uh, Verse number eight, a time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time, and that's important. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray that you would be with me for the next few minutes as we preach your word, proclaim the truths that we see here. And Lord, as we kind of transition a little bit from chapters 1 and 2 to chapter 3 on, 
we see some really practical application and principles that Solomon is really trying to give us. And Lord, as we look at this passage, a familiar passage to some, talking about the different seasons of life, and we know that every season is, is difficult, and yet it's, it's great at the same time. And I pray that you'd help us to realize the very important truths that we need to learn. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless us today, Lord. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. You know, there's a lot of things, uh, when I think of time, there's a lot of adjectives that come to my mind, and I'm sure there's a lot of adjectives that come to your mind as well. Uh, some of those adjectives you probably shouldn't use in church, and if you shouldn't use in church, you probably shouldn't use in general, right? Um, but I was thinking about it this week, you know, there's, there could be a long list of adjectives I can use, and I think one is like, time can be annoying, right? Uh, time can be annoying, yet it can be wonderful. Uh, time can be long, yet it can be short. How many have ever realized, man, the days just seem to get longer and longer, but then in, at, at different stages of your life, the days seem to get shorter and shorter. You ever been there? Uh, I think when you're a kid, uh, especially growing up, you're like, man, I can't wait till this certain time. I think of uh, our son, and I reference him a lot, you know, Nate, as a five and a half year old, he's always, you know, talking about different things that are coming up, and he's like, oh man, it's going to take forever. It's taking forever. In his mind, it is taking forever. In my mind, it, it can't slow down or it can't slow down enough because it's just, it's going too fast. But I think one word that all of us could maybe agree on with time is that time frustrates. Anybody agree with that? I think time frustrates or can frustrate us. And I've seen this many times in my life, the, the frustratingness of time. You know, time doesn't always comfort, does it? Sometimes it haunts us. Sometimes it's fleeting and filled with sorrow that almost seems to cancel out our joy. And I was thinking about this in, in kind of light of, you know, an hourglass. And I have a somewhat of an hourglass this morning. Uh, it's actually just a 15-minute timer. So I thought about getting a full, like, hourglass and then, you know, turning it over and like, hey, when it's done, the message will be over. But then I was like, what if I go longer? I don't, I don't need that. So this is 15 minutes. I'm not going to do it because you'll be like watching the time the whole time. and like, hey, it's time. I'll just turn it over like six times. And by the sixth time, if we're done, we're done. Is that, is that a good idea? Uh, probably not, right? Uh, but obviously we know you turn over the hourglass and, and really that's our life. It's kind of wasting away in a sense. It's like the, the sands in an hourglass and sometimes we're like, man, I, I wish you would hurry up. Time just needs to go a little bit faster. And sometimes we're like, man, go, go back. You know, I wish it could go back and everything. But uh, the thing about time is that time is incessant. Time continues to move on and move forward whether we like it or not. I'm just going to set it here so that it just doesn't go the opposite way. And you guys look at it the whole time. But time continues to move on. That principle that we have here is life moves incessantly. Remember that you aren't where you were. And you won't always be where you are now. You aren't where you were, and you won't always be where you are now. Every season of life, God is using to lead you to somewhere beautiful, if you're satisfied in Him. And I think about the seasons of life, and that's what we're going to talk about for a few minutes this morning. The seasons of life, and I've discussed this with my wife many times, that it seems like at certain stages, you're in a seasons of life. Sometimes that season you like, sometimes that season you don't like. Again, we have two boys here on this earth, we have a few in heaven, but uh, you know, we're at that season of life with uh, Noah especially, you know, he's on the end of the diapers, and I am so excited for that to be done. What? Do you want to come? Never mind. 
<laughs> okay, my wife is more excited about that season. I am excited for my wife. That's what I should say. Is that better? Okay, good, good, good. I am excited for my wife for that season to be over because, you know, I changed like 45 diapers at least in my life, at least, maybe 100. I don't know. Anyway, but, you know, it's kind of like, man, you're, it, it's great, but it's kind of annoying when you always have to carry a big, you know, load of things when you load up the car or the van and everything like that. It's going to be nice in some ways when you can just, you know, hey, go get in the car, buckle yourself in. That's great. But I understand I was a youth pastor and I understand, you know, just those that have kids just because one season passes, there's another season coming. And as everyone that has told us that has kids that are older, it's great, but it also still stinks at times. Because there's those seasons where it's just like, seriously, you just need to leave. You know, you're too much like your dad, too much like your mom, uh, too much like your aunt, whoever it is. Uh, just, just go on, get on with this life. But the point I'm trying to make is that there are seasons Things go forward. Things, they don't go backwards. Whether we like it or not, there are positives, there are negatives. And, and in these seven, eight, nine verses that start the chapter three of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is talking about this. And I'm just going to quickly reference them because I want to make more of an application about them here in a few minutes. But he goes through the narrative. And really, it's somewhat self-explanatory. We're not going to dive deep into all of them this morning. That's not what the message is about. But as he starts, verse number two, there is a time to be born and a time to die. And again, we don't necessarily like this, but what Solomon is saying, these are the laws of nature, the laws of the universe. And we have to remember that God did not create death. He created life. It was his original purpose and plan that we all live forever in the Garden of Eden, in that utopia, in that paradise. But sin came into the world, and because sin came into the world, death came into the world as well. And what Solomon is saying, whether you like it or not, there are seasons of birth and there are seasons of death. He continues on, there is a time to plant. Those that have ever planted something, you know there's a time to plant. And then there's a time to what? Pluck up. A time to gather what you planted. This could be also referencing that sometimes you plant things and you have that difficult season where the, the fruit, the, uh, the produce just doesn't grow. So you have to dig up that unproductive uh, plant or whatever it is. He goes on, there is a time, verse number three, to kill and a time to heal. Now he's not necessarily condoning murder. Please understand that. He's not saying, hey, it's okay to go out and kill someone you don't like. Please, please don't like use that against me. Oh, Pastor Chris said I can go and kill this person I hate. That's not what I'm saying. All right, go back to the tape if you want to. I didn't say that. A time to kill and a time to heal. Really what he's referencing is almost uh, in, in animals. How many have ever had an animal that you had to uh, spend a lot of time, energy, uh, money investing in to try to heal them, try to get better? Maybe it's cattle, maybe it's a dog, a cat, whatever. But then there might be a season where you have to put that animal down. And that's really what he's referencing here. There's a time for that. Uh, and it, it's, it's that balance that goes back and forth. Uh, he continues on at the end of verse number three, a time to break down and a time to build up. You think about all those houses uh, some, that someone spent their entire life uh, building, and then one day, sometimes those houses are condemned. What do you have to do? You have to break down that house, build it back up. He continues on verse number four, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Look, there are seasons for this. We lived in a cursed world that is full of marriages and funerals. Now, sometimes the marriage is not a time to laugh. It's a time to mourn. But you understand the picture that I'm trying to say. 
I'm not referencing anyone in here. It's, please understand that. But, you know, even, even David, you know, man after God's own heart, he had those seasons of his life where he danced before the Lord in great joy, uh, but then he also had that season where he wept and cried to the Lord to save his son that was deeply sick. Continue on in verse number five. Again, I'm, I'm going quickly through this to get the application this morning, but a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. This is really talking about in the, in the Jewish culture, a lot of times when they wanted to do harm to their enemy, what they would do is they would throw stones in their enemy's field. And those that have ever planted or harvested or anything like that, you understand that you have a bunch of stones and a bunch of rocks. It's hard for things to uh, produce. So there's a time for that, but there's also a time to get those stones away. Uh, continue on, verse number uh, five. There is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Basically, there's a time to say hi, time to say goodbye. Sometimes I think we like to like just say goodbye to a lot of people. You know, see you later, so long, Felicia, whatever that saying is, but whatever. Um, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. I think some people just don't know when to refrain from embracing, right? All right, Brother Mike? I don't know why I'm talking to you, but anyway, uh, you have those seasons of life. And I was thinking about this last night. Um, I don't know why you guys are laughing. Anyway, totally messing me up. Um, uh, where was I going? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this last night that, you know, when I was in high school, I, I remember, you know, hearing it that, you know, people were like, oh, you know, some of those friends that you have, they're probably not going to be friends for long term. I was like, no, that's, there's no way. Like, these are my guys. These are my... I was going to say my girls too, but no, I, I wasn't like that. Anyway, uh, these are my people, right? <laughs> these are my people, you know, you know, we're close. I know, I'm digging a hole. Anyway, uh, you know, we're close, so we're, you know, we're, we're close now. We're just going to stay close. But then I graduated high school, went to college uh, in another state, got new friends, and some of those people that I was so close with in high school, I don't even know who they are now. I don't even know where they live. And really, that's what he's saying. There's a time to embrace, and there's a time to refrain from embracing he continues on, a time to rend and a time to sow. A lot of times in that Jewish culture, when uh, someone was mourning, they, they rent their clothes, they tore their clothes. There was that time of mourning. Uh, but I've realized in my own life, and you know, everyone goes through grief and mourning differently, but you can't stay in our grief for the rest of our lives because life moves on whether we like it or not. And in that Jewish culture, no matter what the, what the time frame was, there was a time that they rent their clothes, put sackcloth and ashes on, ashes on and, and mourned in the city. And, and then they had to get to the place where they sewed back their clothes up and put them on and went on with the rest of their lives. He goes on, there is a time uh, to get, uh, where am I at? Verse number, uh, sorry, verse, verse uh, yeah, yeah, verse seven. A time to rent, a time to sew, a time to keep silent. And a time to speak. Again, it's not necessarily referencing husbands and wives. I told you to be silent. This is that time. It's really when you're dealing with, with an individual and you're trying to help them, there's, there's times that you understand that your words aren't going to do anything. That your help, your correction isn't going to do anything because they're very foolish. So there's a time to just keep your mouth shut. But there's also a time to give that wisdom and, and try to help that individual. There's a time of love and hate and war and peace. This is really talking more about the, the, the national experience. You know, the Bible is, is very clear on the things that we should love and the things that we should hate. I think I skipped verse number six. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Uh, I think about this verse in relation to, you ever lost something in your house? 
and you're searching for it, you know, endlessly, and it seems like that, that black hole, that vortex that just sucks things up, it's called your couch, and you never find that thing ever again. Well, in a sense, there is a time to search for something, and there's a time to, to stop searching. Uh, there's a time to keep, and there's a time to uh, basically cast away. There's a time to store up stuff, and there's a time to have a garage sale. Some people don't know the difference between that. They just like to keep and keep and keep and keep. Uh, I am bad about that sometimes. I call myself an organized pack rat. I get that from my mom, but uh, my wife is always trying to like, why do you have that? Well, that's from like third grade. You know, you never know when I might use this again. You know, this, this is important. I mean, maybe Nate or Noah wants to see this, this great work of art that I had in third grade. It's meaningless. It's purposeless. It doesn't really matter. So again, there's a time for all that. But then in verse number nine, Solomon states this question, what profit hath he that worketh in wherein he laboreth? It's basically the same question he was asking in verse number, or chapter 1. I've seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. And here's what he's saying again, that everything in life has a season. There is a time for everything. Whether we like it or not, there is a time for everything. You see, from our vantage point, from our perspective, life doesn't always make sense, does it? At least for me. Life doesn't always make sense. And I look at it and I'm like, what, what is going on? And when you try to comprehend life under the sun, sometimes it leaves you discouraged, defeated, deflated. Because it doesn't make sense and in some ways it never will. But here's the thing that we have to understand that really Solomon is pointing us to. We are not in control. There is someone greater that's in control. God. God is in control of all. And there's many verses that reference the fact of God's sovereignty, that He is in control of nature, that He puts everything in order. And a lot of times we try to control things that were never ours to control. When we look at the world around us and in life in general, it doesn't make sense. And I think part of the reason, because our perspective, our vantage point is somewhat skewed. Because we don't see things clearly. You ever had to change your perspective? What I mean is, maybe you were looking at something and you just didn't see it clearly, so you had to kind of take a different view from it, different vantage point. You see, that needs to happen sometimes in our life. I have this little illustration kind of reference that. There was a boy who was looking at the reflection of the moon glistening in a pond. A friend of his threw a stone in the pond and the water began to ripple. The boy said, what happened to the moon? For the stone in the pond so rippled the water that he could no longer see the reflection of the moon, and it looked like the moon was gone. His older friend said, when you can't see the moon in the pond, stop looking at the pond and look up to the moon because the moon hasn't gone anywhere. And I think that's what we need to realize with our relationship with God. God hasn't gone anywhere. God has always been there, always will be there. Whether we like a season or not, God is still there. And as we sang this morning the song about the goodness of God, I can't help but keep thinking about God's goodness in the past several months, even in the midst of tragedy and heartache and, and difficulty. I can't help but keep thinking and being reminded that God is good. During the difficult seasons, during the seasons I like, during the seasons that I don't like, and there's a couple points that I want to make very quickly that we see in this passage. Really, as we look at those 14 narratives, those 14 comparatives, again, as we said, there are positives and there are negatives. I want to look at the negative side for just a minute. 
You see, the first thing we must realize is this. Every season has its burdens, right? Every season has its burdens. Not every season is just, you know, great and amazing. There are seasons that are not enjoyable. Again, sometimes with raising kids, there are seasons that are not enjoyable. Some of you might think that's every season, but that's not. There are seasons that are not enjoyable, But there's an important lesson that's reminded of me as I read this passage. No matter the season, it won't last forever. Again, we are not going to, or my wife is not going to have to continue to change Noah's diaper, hopefully, for the rest of his life. There's going to come a season where that season ends and another season begins. And as we look at some of these negatives, includes words like die and kill and break down and weep and mourn, lose, rent, hate, all that kind of stuff... What it reminds me here and what it teaches me is this. We must expect hardships. We must expect hardships. Here's what typically happens. When life goes the way that we think it should go, we're happy, we're satisfied, we're fulfilled, right? But what happens when life doesn't go the way that we plan? You know, we've got our planners and we've, we've planned the week, we've planned the day, we've planned the month, we've planned the year. Everything is planned and lined up and that's not a bad thing. But what happens when our planner gets messed up. What just happened? Because we lost control of something that was really never ours to control. I can't control what's going to happen today, tomorrow. I came in last night around 9 o'clock just to see if everything was fine. You know, we had thought we had fixed the baptistry, and I came in around 9 o'clock, and all of a sudden I'm like, why is it darker up there? And I started sloshing because it flooded again, and it was past this first pew. So I called Justin, and hey, Hey, you want to work? It's like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, Okay, I'll be right there. (laughs) So he came, and I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't planning to to come in around 9 o'clock at night and then wake up the neighbors because we had his truck out here and it was loud and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't expecting that, but it happened. And there are seasons that we just must expect hardships. You think about the actual literal seasons of life. You think about fall and winter and spring and summer. Look, there are blessings to those seasons, but aren't there also burdens? I mean, I think of fall, and you know, I've obviously lived in Texas now for four years, lived in Colorado, lived in Indiana, I lived in Tennessee as well, and, and every state has different aspects of the season. You know, Texas, it's, it's hot, it's hotter, it's hotter, and uh, then it's just like psychotic. Uh, it's kind of like the seasons of Texas. <laughs> At least that's what I've kind of gathered. But, uh, you know, in, in fall, you know, it, it's great, it's beautiful, the leaves start changing, but then you got all those leaves and the mud and the mess, uh, winter. Uh, in some states, you know, it's snow. Man, that's beautiful. But then you're tired of it because you're always having to shovel it and you got ice and all kinds of things. The point I'm making is that every season has its burdens. Every season has its burdens. We tend to look back, get this, at how good things were. And we tend to look ahead at how good it will be. Look, I've, I've been guilty of saying this as well. Man, I cannot wait until this time, because it's going to be so much better. You ever done that? I cannot wait until this time, or maybe this year, because this year is going to be better. But do you know what? That next year, it's still going to have its burdens, whether we like it or not. 2020 could be a phenomenal year, but there's still going to be some burdens in 2020. There's still going to be some things that we don't like. There's been things in 2019 I didn't like. There were things in 2018, 2017, all the way back to, to my birth year that I didn't like because every season has its burdens. K. 
Harry Schmidt, in one of his books, he said, Our disappointments are often a product of viewing Jesus more as a concierge than as a Savior and Lord. You see, I think we view Jesus as someone to cater to us, cater to our every whim, our every desire. Jesus, I I want you to do this. Look, I've got my planner, so you need to work with my planner. You need to work with my plans, and that's not how our Savior works. He also said later in that book, listen to this, if now is always negative, your imagination will remember yesterday for its positives, dream of tomorrow for its possibilities, and then see today's negatives at the expense of its blessings. Look, there are negatives, excuse me. (coughs) There are negatives in life, but there are also positives. And a lot of times we're looking back to how good it was. You know, we hear people say, oh, the good old days. But the people that I talked about the good old days, as I started digging a little bit deeper, they really weren't that great because there was also burdens in those days as well. But we tend to look back and glorify the past and, and you know, romanticize about the past, about how good it was, or we look forward to the future, how it's going to be so much better. And it's, it's not necessarily wrong to do that, but again, the point is every season has its burdens. And here's an important key from living a meaningless life to a meaningful life. Expect and embrace the burdens. Expect and embrace the burdens. And this is a point we're going to try to unlock as we continue on this morning. Maybe God is trying to use hardships. I've realized this in my own life. Maybe God is trying to use hardships to mold you and make you more like his son. Did you ever realize that? Again, it's not easy. It's not like, all right, bring it on. Bring on the the hardships. Bring on the trials because I want it. No, no one wants it. But this life is not the end, is it? There is something waiting that is far better than this life. Far, far better than this life. For some, it's far worse than this life that have never trusted Jesus as their Savior. But I've realized in my life, in the 35 years of existence, that that even in the burdensome time, the burdensome seasons, God is trying to mold me, make me, conform me into the image of His Son, help me to become more like Jesus Christ. And I wish I learned everything I needed to learn during the blessing seasons. But you know what? I don't. And sometimes I need those burdens. I need those trials because it helps me to remember who's truly in control. Every season has its burdens. But we continue on. Every season also has its blessings. It doesn't always stay negative, does it? Again, those 14 opposite pairings help paint a complete picture. Look, I I look at my life sometimes and I'm like, man, I don't like mourning, but I really like laughter. But the truth is, there's going to be mourning and laughter. Whether I like it or not, there's going to be birth and death. Part of that is because of the curse of sin and sin that is rampant in this world. There are blessings and beauty in every season. And this is what I want you to understand this morning. And I'm not trying to make light of anything, but right now, this very moment, right now, is pretty special. But it's not special, Pastor. You don't know what it's, I've gone through the past six months or two weeks or whatever. Some of you I understand. Some of you I don't understand what you've gone through. 
but right now is still pretty special. Because whether you like it or not, it's not all bad. There are still blessings. And let me again, let me reference my own life. Seven and a half years ago, we lost our firstborn son, Logan. He passed away. And that was a horrible, just crappy season of my life. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. But I look back, and I don't always see the burdens of it. I see also the blessings, because I see what God was trying to do in my life. That he was trying to mold me and shape me and help me become more like Jesus Christ. And here's the principle that we must remember. We must cherish every season and love what God is doing right now despite the trials. Despite the trials, you must cherish now because now only lasts for a moment, right? And then it's gone. But so often we're like, I just, I can't wait for this to be done. I'm looking forward to that. And we stop, in a sense, living in the now. And we forget about all the good times, all the blessings that God is doing in our lives. Let me share a story uh, that I read this, uh, this past week. There is a, uh, there is a runner uh, in the Boston Marathon who finished last place. Now, you don't often talk about those that, that finished last. But there's a runner in the Boston Marathon back in 2015, uh, finished last place on Monday, April 20th. His name was Mikel Melamad. He began the 119th Boston Marathon with thousands of other runners. The 26-mile marathon is a Boston tradition held annually on Patriots Day, which draws thousands and thousands to this city. As the race began, thousands of runners blew by Mikel 20, 20 hours and 26 miles later. That's a long time to run a race. 20 hours and 26 miles later, Mikel finally crossed the finish line at 5 a.m. Tuesday morning long after every other runner had finished the race and had gone home to sleep. Mikel had run through the harsh night and cold temperatures, hard rain, powerful thunderstorms. He finished in last place many hours after the second-to-last runner. Mikel had a form of muscular dystrophy, which severely impairs his mobility. He didn't run the marathon, he walked it, in a way that made every single step an act of physical hardship. He thrust and limped and lunged his body through the night for 26 miles against all odds. His hope is that his determined attitude amidst hardships would become an inspiration for others facing similar challenges. It's easy to look at Mikel and think, there is nothing but burden and hardship in this story. But as the author says, as he's referencing this, I want to challenge you to look up the video of Mikel online, to view the video of him crossing the finish line, in the Boston driving rain amidst cheers of support from family and friends. It's hard to watch without tearing up. And he says, is there burden there? Yes, of course. But is there also beauty? Absolutely. Because every season has its burdens and every season also has its blessings. And in some fashion, it's the burden that makes the blessing that much more beautiful. As Solomon continues in verse number 10, he says, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men. Verse 11, he hath made everything, what? Beautiful. In his time. And again, that's something we don't necessarily understand. Because right now might not look like a beautiful season. But we're not in control. God is, and He's using these seasons, these hardships, these difficulties, these blessings to mold us, to make us more like His Son. And here's what we discover. That God is in control. 
And we also discover this. We don't get to choose the ingredients for life. Again, I wish that I could choose some ingredients for life. Michael, why don't you come up here this morning? I wish I could choose certain ingredients, but I can't. There are certain ingredients that I might not like, but they're still there, whether I like them or not. Uh, anybody in here like to eat flour? Anybody? I mean, just, it's like part of your life? All right, David Jackson. I knew there was one weirdo in here today. All right? Um, typically, you don't like to eat flour, so I've asked Michael, actually, he volunteered himself for this one, um, to eat some flour. He brought a trash can. I don't know why he brought a trash can up. Uh, but typically, you know, you don't eat flour. You know, the song doesn't say, just a spoonful of flour makes the medicine go down, right? It says a, a spoonful of sugar. Is that big enough? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There you go. Let's go ahead and eat this flour and just let's see your reaction and tell me how it tastes. It's amazing, right? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Let me make it a mess. Got to clean this up later. It's a good thing he's on staff. We'll clean it up. It's, it's right. <laughs> Why are you spitting things out? Seriously. Excuse that. Just point the camera away. Don't look at him. <laughs> Most people aren't going to be like, oh man, I'm hungry. I need some flour. Right? You going to do that? Probably never again. We're not going to do that. Flour is kind of disgusting. It's bland. What, what is the taste of it? I mean, I mean, what? It's nasty. It's just nasty. All right. That's, that's just a simple word, simple way to it's describe not it. It's not hot? Well, that's a good thing. It's nasty. It's just disgusting. But I've also realized that Without flour, you can't have this. We're going to smash it in his face. No, we're not. We're not going to do that. Okay, Amanda, you want to come up? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We might not like the flour, but from those that I've talked to that have made cakes, flour is an important ingredient. We might not like the burdens, but the burdens are there to help us, to mold us, to shape us. So I'll let you have a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Try a piece of cake just to see how good it is. Hopefully it's good. Is it poisoned? Probably. I didn't make it. Is it good? It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> but there's flour in there. Don't worry, there will be cake like this in just a few minutes in the back. <laughs> All right, thank you. You can sit down. The point is, we can't expect the cake without the flour, right? There's burdens, but there's also blessings. And we have to realize that God is in control. I want you to finish reading this passage with me, and then we're going to make a final application, and we'll be done. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Now, he's not referencing the last chapter, that hedonistic lifestyle, the attitude of, I'm just going to eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow I die. I'm just going to do whatever I want. That's not what he's saying, but he's saying, as long as God has given you breath, enjoy the life that God has given you. Understanding that God is in control. Verse 14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. For God doeth it, and the men should fear before God. Verse number 17, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. And For there is a time and there is a purpose for every work. I said in mine heart concerning the estate of the sons of men, that God might manifest them. 
And that they might see that they uh, themselves are beasts. Uh, Verse number 20, all go into one place. All are of dust. All turn into dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that his portion, who shall bring him to see what shall be after him. Here's what Solomon is really saying here. Embrace the season. Enjoy the season. Anticipate the beauty that God is building you into his image. Those are the three words I really want you to take from this message. Embrace the season. I don't like the season. Well, I don't like flour, and obviously Michael doesn't like flour. But embrace it. Because there's something still great about this season of life. And anticipate the beauty that comes from the burdens. The beauty that comes from the heartaches, from the difficulties. Again, we ask, how can we do this? Life might not look beautiful enough. Here's the thing. We are too close to the picture. You ever been too close to something that you couldn't really see all of it? I mean, it's like if I were standing up here and like, oh man, this piano is awesome. I'm blind. I can't see anything. But if I step back, I see the bigger picture. Now, the reality is we can't step far enough back to see the ultimate picture, can we? God is in control, but he's trying to help us understand that step back or fall back and trust me that I know what's best. You're not going to understand it all. You're not going to see it clearly right now, but I am doing everything for your good. I am doing everything to mold you, to make you more like Jesus Christ if you allow these burdens and blessings to beautify you in a sense, really. And we think about what what is the proper attitude of our life? In verse 14, it says that men should fear before him. I think the proper attitude of life is fearing God, submission to his will. Look, maybe today is just a planting day that will one day lead to a great harvest. Look, you can choke at the burdens or you can cherish the blessings and enjoy and anticipate the beauty that God is working in you. Contentment in God and satisfaction in Jesus is a choice. When I praise, I progress. You can either flounder or you can flourish in this life. How can life be meaningful when it seems so meaningless and monotonous. Well, there is no meaning in life apart from God. You know, we reference the story of Mikkel. I think that every step was a hard step to take. 26 miles. And that's, it just astounds me. It took him 20 hours, but yet he finished it. And here's really what we learn from the story of Mikkel. Here's what he's saying to us. If I can't run the way that I want to run, I choose to walk with joy. Did you get that? If I can't run the way that I want to run, then I choose to walk with joy. But how many of us, you know what? I can't run the way that I run on, so I just quit. God obviously isn't here. There's times where God seems silent, but God is always there. Just like the moon, it's always in the sky whether we see it or not. That's the laws of nature. That's the laws of the universe. 
Sometimes we have to change our perspective, and instead of looking at this earth, this picture, look up and see something far, far better. Look, God created the seasons to drive us to Christ. And as I said earlier, we must cherish every season and love what God is doing right now, despite the trials. God is using the experiences and the seasons of your life to shape you, to mold you. He's using different ingredients to make you who he wants you to be. Maybe you're holding on to something really tight right now. Maybe you're trying to control something. If times are good, don't always look to bad times that they're about to happen. Don't look for them around the corner. They'll be there. (laughs) If you're in bad times, try not to always look forward to the future good times. Instead, try to learn to rest and find joy. Even the depth of that feeling that he's letting you experience the sorrow to mold you, to make you more like his son. So maybe what some of us need to do, and even myself included, is lay some things down. Maybe we're holding on to things a little bit too tight. Maybe enjoyment of life has been the absolute impossible thing for you. And I'm here to tell you it is impossible when you try to live it the way Solomon lived it. He experimented with life and it was useless. It was meaningless. Maybe it's possible to let some things go right now. Maybe you need to ask God to take some things from you. Maybe you need to ask God to change your perspective and realize that even though this life right now might stink, this time might stink, There's also great blessings in it. And there's great beauty that can be found in it. Remember, embrace this season, enjoy this season. Anticipate the beauty that God is building you into who he wants you to be. I think the core truth that we must remember and realize from this is that we must change our perspective. Instead of always, man, life just stinks or whatever else you want to say. I'm going to cherish now. Because you know what? Right now is still pretty special. Because I'm still here. And those that have lost someone, I'm not, I'm not making light of that. But the beauty we see in that is if they were saved, we get to see them again. And I hate that we have to go through difficult seasons. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm trying to encourage you, as God has tried to encourage me, to look at the whole picture. God is trying to beautify you. He's trying to make you into something special. Even though you might not like the flower, God is trying to make you into an amazing cake, in a sense. So change your perspective and choose instead to cherish now, because right now, It's pretty special.